0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
1: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
0: Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Eliza Pressman, and... What a crazy time we're having. I am so honored and thrilled to have Dr. Dan Siegel here today. He is a frequent guest of Raising Good Humans podcast, and he's a clinical professor of psychiatry at UCLA. He is the director of the Mindsight Institute, and he has authored every one of my favorite parenting books. And I'm going to put a bunch of them in the show notes because they are. Such game changers, and he's such a huge force in this field. And now it was a time that I wanted to hear from Dr. Siegel because we have a lot to explain to our kids, and we have no understanding of what in the world is going on. Things keep challenging us that we never thought were possible, and we're charged with a role of being caregivers who can guide our kids. And we don't have the tools because we've never experienced this before. So I really just wanted to kind of come to terms with what's happening and think about how we can storytell with our children so that they can come to terms with this world that we're living in. And finally, we talk about the science of hope towards the end of this podcast, because we need to have practical tools to get through how everyone is experiencing what's going on in our world and thinking about it in a way that gets us out of feeling like things are hopeless. And we know from science that in order to thrive, you need to have hope. So thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy this episode and it helps you just think about how to storytell with your kids to make sense of This world. We definitely will not have all the answers and we're not meant to. But this is just a starting point for how to think through what's happening with your kids and how to make sense with them of the world that they're growing up in. If you enjoy this episode, please don't hesitate to subscribe. If you have not already, rate and even write a little review. I love hearing from you. And please continue to send in your questions to at Raising Good Humans podcast on Instagram. Just go ahead and DM me and I will hopefully get to it in the coming episodes. What's going on for kids that we're basically, we've given them now almost near a year of those events that are possible, but not probable happening. Like Mm. how are we balancing helping them stay safe and feel okay in a world that keeps on throwing them things that are exactly what we said are, you know, so unlikely to ever happen?
1: Yeah. Well, it's a great question. You know, the um, this moment in history is quite something. I mean, yesterday with the storming of the Capitol, but also, you know, this moment of over 350,000 people dying from a virus that a year ago, you know, we thought was just in a distant land and has now gone all around the planet. And so for children and adolescents, you know, I think the best thing we could do as parents is just try to be very direct with them and straight. And it's not that you have to flood them with information they may not be interested in, but, you know, part of what we are as a human species is, we are very communicative in the form of stories. So the story of being alive today can include basically talking about the events that happen and the mental experience of what it's like to be in those events. So the way to think about a story is it has those two components. It's the linear telling of a sequence of events. So sometimes putting things in chronological order can actually help make sense of them. And it has these two landscapes is what Jerome Bruner labels them as a landscape of action, the events that happen, you know, a virus comes, there's a shutting down with physical distancing that, oh my God, they called it social distancing, but it really should be renamed physical distancing because we we don't wanna be socially disconnected, right? So that's one part of the story. And then you can talk about the mental events in addition to those physical things. What was it like for you this last, you know, now 10 months to be in lockdown periodically or to hear about all the illness or people dying? Because this is not a predicted event. It's something unlikely, but it happened. It happened 100 years ago, you know, and it's happening now and we're in it and there's there've been pandemics throughout human history. So it's not like, oh my God, this has never happened before. It's still happening to us for the first time. So what's it like for you? Oh, it's scary. It's makes me really mad I can't be with my friends. You know, I'm really, really sad about that. Or, you know, I'm really, really frightened that I'm gonna get sick. You know, and there are these basic emotions that are worth labeling in these stories. One of them is fear, one of them is sadness, one of them is anger. And those are deep, deep in the brain. And we each may have a particular propensity to lean on one or the other of those three ones. But the stories should identify, especially those three emotions of distress. So then you tell the story with your child, like what's the pandemic been like? And one of the pandemics that got exposed, not just a viral one, is the pandemic of social injustice. Mm -hmm. When George Floyd's murder was captured on video for the whole world to see, it was impossible for even white people to try to ignore that. Now, some people would just say, oh, you know, that didn't really happen, but it happened. And for most people, they saw the incredible injustice of the murder of someone who was basically being dehumanized and destroyed by police in front of a camera as onlookers were saying, stop killing him. So when you see that a human being, the police officer, could have no compassion for a human suffering under his knee, you know, for a child or adolescent to see that, they wanna make sense of it. So one way that when I work with people, kids or adolescents, you know, I try to help them understand how the brain contributes to this. And I tell them the following story, I said, you know, what happened was total injustice. It was inhumane. And unfortunately, it's a part of what the brain has a vulnerability to do, that that police officer, if a part of his brain that sees another human being as in what's called the out group, then studies show, especially when you're under threat, that when you put someone in the out group and they're not like you and they're not in the in group, even if they're not like you, is You know, they're on a different baseball team or they're a different religion or a different skin color, race, which is a social construction, I say. You know, the brain still shuts off and says, you're not like me. I don't see you as human. And if I'm threatened, I can kill you or treat you like a piece of trash. So unfortunately, the human brain does that. Sadly, it's not a mystery why that is. So in terms of helping kids make sense of... This second pandemic we're talking about, the pandemic of social injustice, we have a long history. It's probably at least 50 million years of evolution as primates that we've had this way of saying who is like me, who is not like me. And if I'm threatened, there aren't enough resources or I'm in danger, I'm going to treat you, if you're not in the in-group, with a lot more hostility. I'll even kill you. And so humans are prone to genocide. So this is a part of our human story. And so people need to understand that. And we can even build on that and look at the other pandemics that when you treat non-human species like they're not worthy of respecting, which is the third pandemic, environmental destruction, you could explain basically the whole of the environmental crises we're having. So it all comes down to this in-group, out-group thing where you, especially if you think of it as a solo self, you know, it's just about me, 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 you mm-hmm. know, living in this body. It can explain all these pandemics, the environmental ones, social injustice, even the virus, if you think about it, it's so simple, not easy, but simple, put on a mask. Right. And yet that half so people don't wear people. masks. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so these are the stories we need to tell because unfortunately it's really hard to transfer to a different species. And this is the species we're in. So a kid may say, why did you raise me up to be a human? Why can't I be like some other animal, like an otter or something? You know, we say, well, yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. I, 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 I gave you the burden and the opportunity because we also have consciousness. It's got to be a part of the story to actually change the way we live and You know everything that i do these days that i you know with colleagues is to try to bring hope into the world by realizing we can use consciousness to change culture and so we can rise above these in-group out-group distinctions and really create a much better world so sometimes something has to really reach a point of incredible disruption for it to be reorganized and that's the hopeful part
0: The COVID vaccine is out, gratefully, but not everybody is able to get it right away. It is in limited quantity and the priorities are with medical and frontline workers, of course, and then more vulnerable populations. So it is more important than ever to continue wearing high quality masks to protect you and your family. That is why I am recommending Blue Bear Protection. Blue Bear has a mask for every task, including sports masks, and they are so comfortable for any activity. And right now, my listeners can get 20% off. You go to bluebearprotection.com with promo code HUMANS. So I personally love the sports mask. I have to get outside and go for walks and hikes, and we have to wear masks And it can get really uncomfortable in certain masks. And I love their exercise mask because it is breathable. So it helps because you can just do normal activities or feel normal and keep safe. And also they have masks for your kids in the right sizes for your kids. And they're adorable. And they have them in packs and they've got a little pack for when your kids get to go back to school. So... Help protect your family and yourselves and everybody else. Just wear a mask. Order your masks from Blue Bear Protection. And don't forget right now you can get 20% off your first purchase. Order today at BlueBearProtection.com and use the promo code HUMANS.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Will Cole. As a leading functional medicine practitioner, I have had the unique position to see so many alchemize their pain and health problems to their purpose. Now I want the same for you. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers, where there is a fresh infusion of grace and lightness into wellness. This is the art of being well. Join me every Thursday for a new episode. At what point when
0: when people's behavior is so cruel and so dehumanizing, can you create compassion and openness to be able to come to the same table? And at what point do you have to say, I think I have to give up on trying to do that? Or is there a point? And I need to focus on those who are acting in humane ways. Like I, I just have seen the adults be so I'm almost more, I'm proud of kids right now. Like I feel like kids are doing incredible things. I feel like we should thank kids left and right. And it's the adults that are kind of a disaster, but even post-election, what we're seeing in the last 24 hours, just the language of the last four years, I don't know how to come to terms with feeling so deeply disturbed by Like you said, Nazis, -Nazis, neo-Nazis, white supremacists storming the Capitol, like things that are going on that are just unforgivable and also thinking we have to come together. And if we teach our children to fight for social justice without having the capacity to be open to someone who thinks differently from how they do, how the hell are we going to do this?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow, well, that's a lot of important issues. You know, when you think about this moment of saying to kids, the future is yours, you know, but we're handing you a world that's been shaped by these processes that, as your parent, I want to try to help you understand. Mm -hmm. So, the first place in that is I think people really need to think, well, where am I at as an adult? Where am I at with carrying out this story? Am I at a place where I can really fully be available to my child to talk about these things? So let's take what you began, this really powerful question about the story of race.
0: You know, there's a really interesting book um, called Learning from Germans, and it's by a woman named Susan Neiman, I think. And basically she... She looks at how Germans have come to terms with Nazi Germany and the history that they are so deeply ashamed of and how they've now, like Berlin has become a new place where Jews are going to, which for so long, they were not going back to
1: to Berlin
0: because it was so terrifying. But because of the way they've done their coming to terms with the past.
1: Right. Well, I think this is such a beautiful thing you're saying, Elisa, because and it was part of your really great question that you asked earlier, you know, how do you have compassion for people who may seem to be at extremes, right? So one way of not having compassion is to go into the, you know, ironically, the in-group, out-group reaction of those are the bad people Right. We're the good people,
0: right? That's exactly what I want to understand. Yeah, because I think kids—I mean, adults are all doing it, so of course kids are doing it. But how do you? I—I um, I interrupted you, so I want to hear everything. But that's what I'm kind of struggling with, which is if the adults can't even figure out how to get past the "we're the good people" and those are the bad people. Because I'll be honest, my prime—like I don't really know anybody who I'm in a in a very—you um, know—we're all in tremendous agreement kind of social Bubbles. world. Yeah. Um, I I wonder like, how do we do this without continuing to perpetuate the, okay, so then we're the good guys and those are the bad guys.
1: Right. So the good guy, bad guy thing, even, uh, you know, I once knew someone whose son was applying to be a police officer. And I said, oh, what is your um, interest in being a police officer? And he said, the most amazing thing is all my life, I've known there are good guys and there are bad guys. And I think I might have what it takes to put the bad guys in jail. Mm. And, you know, it was so yeah, powerful to hear that because, you know, the mind naturally wants to divide things into categories. That's just what it does. In group, out group, bad, good. You know, it just does this right to try to make sense of it all so we could look at people who do things and say they're bad and that's understandable that you would do that but it's not that productive it might be better and i know when i was spending you know 10 days in a, a think tank in, in berlin and the, the museum to the holocaust survivors was just being finished and we were there with some professors and i was there you know to talk about narrative in the brain and stuff like this and it was striking in those days, you know, how the professors did not want to talk about the memory of the Nazi period. And we then would, when we go out and have some beer and some white truffles, you know, and after they relaxed a little bit, you know, they talked about how painful it was that in their experience with their families and with themselves, that they never could just open up about the reality of the atrocities that were committed. and. You know, I could have been there saying, oh, you're the bad guy and I'm the good guy. and you know, Or you can say we're all human. And even people, you know, storming a Capitol building mm-hmm. are human. And when you look at the fear that gets coupled with anger and rage and then violence, you can certainly say that's despicable. That's terrible. And of course, it's absolutely is terrible and despicable and if you stop there it's not going to get us anywhere so then you say well how am i going to sit with those people who had relatives who were in the third Reich and talk to them about yeah humans do this how how could we sit and you know talk to each other uh, about you know people in the capital or you know i have relatives who are staunch supporters of political figures who happen to be presidents that I'm not, you know, and, and, and so how do I sit down to dinner with them? Mm-hmm. To hunt, and when you really sit with them, what I hear anyway from it being up close and personal is they're terrified. Mm-hmm. White people get terrified that the world that they thought was so great of America, make America great again, is really make America white again. Mm-hmm. And they feel this incredible fear of losing something. Now, What do they fear losing? Well, in some strange way, being white has really no culture to it, right? We're all from very different ethnic groups. And yet, in a caste system, it's the one thing if you're terrified that you're not going to have enough resources, or whatever. In a caste system, what that division into caste, and Wilkerson does a powerful job talking about this, does, is it says to you, hey, if I can at least identify with white as white, I'm gonna be okay, because that's the superior group. Well, then if you get someone like Barack Obama, who's half black and half white, but considered a black president, you know, his father being from Africa, not going through slavery, but whatever, you know, he's African American, literally, you know, then if you're a white person who's threatened, who's unawake, you go, oh, I'm so terrified, because I actually don't have much of a culture. I've lost my cultural heritage, but I am white, which I think makes me feel safe. Oh, my God, there's a black president. Things, things are not good. So it activates every deep survival reaction in me to fight against non-white people. Now, right. that person is a human being who needs to have support in waking up because carrying out actions of racism and of violence is not okay. Right. And yet, we can also say, how do we reach into their humanity so that we can then move them towards sanity? Because destroying people is a violation of human rights. And there are things called right and wrong, right? And hurting people, killing people is wrong. And we know that from, let's just talk about the Ku Klux Klan. That's wrong, right? Lynching people is wrong. You're putting people in gas chambers, six million, wrong, right? So if you take the concept of integration, honoring differences and promoting linkages, you have a simple scientific way of saying, is it right, is it wrong? When you obliterate people, it's wrong. So human beings do wrong things. And how do we actually, with compassion say, okay, you were terrified as a German. You joined the Nazi Party. Your parents did. Or your grandparents did. They were terrified. They identified the Jews as the outgroup. They said, "Oh, if we can get rid of the outgroup, things will be fine during an economic depression." And and so let's eliminate them. Now that's not okay that that happened. But if we hold on to a saying, "Those are the bad guys," and don't realize that in some ways, any group can do that to another. Can do group. that. Right. right, and then we go and we move forward, right? And so we, and, but you need to acknowledge, we have to do things to bring into the narrative of our culture talking about this. It's hard to talk about it.
0: I want to tell you about another parenting podcast. This one is called Notes from the Backpack, and it's brought to you by National PTA and hosted by Helen Worsmoreland and LaWanda Tony. Helen heads the PTA Center for Family Engagement, and she has a two-year-old daughter, and Lawanda is PTA's Director of Communication and has a seven-year-old son. In each episode of Notes from the Backpack, they invite an expert to the show and address a topic related to your child's learning, development, and success, both in and out of school. And they're tackling the questions that you're going to want the answers to. Notes from the Backpack has listeners in every state and in more than 60 countries, so if you are not already listening, go for it. I've been listening to Notes from the Backpack, and I will tell you, if you're looking for a good episode to start with, I highly recommend Raising Kids Who Embrace Race. The hosts chat with the founders of Embrace Race, which is an incredible organization, about how families can start talking to their kids about race. Beyond that, they dive into strategies for embedding racial justice practices into your family life. And I know you'll love this episode because it really gives you tools for raising good humans. Check out Notes from the Backpack wherever you listen to podcasts or at notesfromthebackpack.com. Jane.com is a highly curated boutique marketplace featuring the latest in women's fashion, trends and accessories, children's clothing, and more. Jane.com features hundreds of new products every day in so many different categories. Jane.com helps you stay on trend and has awesome prices. Every day is a sale day at Jane.com. So they offer a wide variety of categories and styles where you just find something for everyone in your life. And there are over 400 new products that drop daily from clothing for the whole family, even for your pet and home decor and just fun Toys and novelty items. If you love a good deal or you want to see savings, Jane.com is a site for affordable fun. Blink and you'll miss it. On Jane.com, products only last for a limited time, which makes shopping just a little bit more fun. Jane.com is a place for discovery and has an endless aisle. You can just browse or just search specifically for what speaks to you. It really just depends on how much time you want to spend and what you enjoy. So just visit Jane.com slash humans and find your next discovery. The grown-ups are not able to navigate this strong divide in a way that teaches or guides kids at all. And the only thing that I thought was so hopeful and wonderful is that for those of us who you know i'm I'm not super shy about this, but for those of us who were extremely happy with the results of the election that it gave me the opportunity to show my kids like if you fight against the stuff that is unjust, you know, and now yesterday's result, the good guys can win, but then you're still separating so i'm I'm really struggling with that, and i'm um like where I've come out on this has been to just watch what my kids say about it and just ask them questions and see how they're processing it because I don't know better anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's a beautiful way of approaching it. I, you know, I, I think that really giving permission for our kids to express their emotions and not filtering them into like, um, oh, you should be nice to people who are you know, murdering people. No, they can have a very intense emotional reaction, anger, fury, calling them bad guys, that's fine. And then the issue is to say, how do you help make sense of this? Because to just I- say there are good guys in the world and bad guys in the world, it, it's actually not going to be of benefit to our kids. Can you help them understand that people can be more awake and less awake to the vulnerabilities of their brains to divide people in the in-group out-group and uh, yeah you can and and i think it's it, it may sound subtle but it's a big difference to say oh these people are falling for their brains weakness to just think it in, as in-group out-group bad guy good guy you know divisions, and so uh, we have, have to
0: work hard to to go against our natural human instinct to do that. Like you're yeah, we're conscious of exactly our tendency,
1: our own tendencies, right? And I think we can role model that. It's hard, but this does not mean when a child says, "I'm so furious that those people invaded the capital," or "I'm so mad someone was murdered." Yeah, of course you should be have whatever emotions you have. You should have. Uh, Just let them be there. And then, you know, when you're trying to deeply understand the complexities of what's there, to realize that your emotions are important, but they're not the end of the story. Mm. And then to gain wisdom is to really embrace paradoxes, you know, where you kind of say, wow, I was so angry. I was putting them in the, the, the bad guy group. Of course you were. That's okay, And now I realize, you know, they're just not awake and maybe there's some hope to awaken them. Yeah. Well, now now you get to the science of hope, you know, which says having a goal is really important. Having a sense of agency to do something in the world. That's important. Social supports really important and a pathway with a purposeful project, you know. So you, you, that spells all the acronym GASP. you know, I, an was, acronymatic. I know. Goal, like AEC, SS for social support <laughs> and PPP for Pathway with a Purposeful is Project. That
0: a, is that a new one for you?
1: Yeah, that's a new one for me. But because okay. people are losing so much hope. And so I was yeah. talking to someone about the science of hope and, and then I said, oh yeah, it's GASP, you know. But the, the, the thing about that is, you know, it's gotta be based on truth, not on just Overly okay. simplified, they're the bad guys, they're the good guys, mm-hmm. we're the good guys, those are the bad guys. That mm-hmm. actually doesn't help to stay at that level, you know.
0: Is there um a sense that the major events of, for example, the last 24 hours and probably while we're having this conversation, more stuff has happened that we don't know about? I know, but, I
1: know. We should check it out.
0: <laughs> but you know, is this the kind of like really intense disrepair that is inevitable before the, the repair of this country? Like, was there this necessary, down? you know, extreme disrepair? Is there this world where we now have a generation of kids who are motivated to fight against these three pandemics that you mentioned before? Is there something about this that gives people that purpose? Wait, yeah. I, are, I need your acronym again.
1: Your gasp. Yeah, the the goal, agency, social support, and pathway with a purposeful project. Purposeful Purposeful project. And giving
0: them the agency to know that, like, I feel like just the elections made it seem like, okay, we have some agency. Exactly.
1: Well, exactly. Yeah, I think, well, there's two other pandemics that I think address your question. One is the pandemic of misinformation and polarization. Okay. Bubbles of misinformation. You know, there aren't alternative facts. There is someone who won an election, right right? and And there is the idea of science that tells us that the environment is being destroyed. There is the science that tells us that black people are being killed, right? And so th- there's a whole science of facts. So the misinformation is based on acting like science has nothing to offer any of these things. So that's one pandemic all around the world. people are in these, isolated bubbles of misinformation and we can combat that with really saying you have a disciplined way of understanding the nature of reality mm-hmm. the fifth pandemic you know is the pandemic that you mentioned with we you know is this idea of you know the isolated solo self is kind of what modern culture tells us we are we live only in a body and i think that that's a disaster you know it's perpetuated in some ways by science which says the mind is the same as the brain and it's not You know, it's much broader than the brain. It's fully embodied and it's also relational. Uh, But that the self doesn't have to be equated with the body. So, you know, this is, you know, a long story. But I think at the root of all these pandemics is this fifth pandemic, which is the solo self view that modern life has told us about is making people lonely. It makes people feel like something's kind of off. I don't know what it is. When, in fact, you are a me and you are a we, you're both. So you're a we you know, is a very funny mm-hmm. way of saying it. You're an integrated being with an interiority to you that you can say is the inner life of you called me. And there's a relationality to you, connected other people to nature and connected the planet. So this relational world is also you. And that's a way you approach, you know, understanding people who are not like you. Embracing the importance of all of nature, so species that are not like your species, um, and it just broadens your belonging. And as you integrate your identity, and in a way, you know, there's a term synergy, which is where the whole is greater than just the sum of its parts. There's a synergy of self that emerges from this we experience. And so, I think you can raise kids and adolescents to consider that we is actually their identity. And instead of saying it's just you and your body, it's you in this world you live in, and then people can be you know, really responsible. And I think I have great hope for how things can be, you know. and I think sometimes out of disruption, there's an opportunity through the disorganization to reorganize and to create a world that is really more based on the greater good of me, rather than just the isolated greed and separation of me alone.
0: I really hope that that's true.
1: I do too, but you know now what builds hope, right? A goal agency, social support, have (laughs) some fun along the way and have a purposeful project. And the amazing thing about purpose is it's when you do something of benefit, not just your individual self, right? It's your relational self, so.
0: So with children who are struggling right now or feeling really just having a hard time and it's not... I mean, of course they're having a hard time. Is helping them find purpose outside of themselves one way? Like, how do you do that without, if it's not naturally occurring, how can you do that without undermining their experience of the shitty time they're having?
1: Yeah. Well, I don't have an easy answer for little kids. I think it's easier for adolescents. Let's do
0: adolescents.
1: You know, I mean, just helping them really think about ways they could be of service. To others, even through the you know the digital means, if they can. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you if you talk to adolescents who are involved, like in environmental causes or social justice causes, they feel a sense of meaning in life uh, that even in the pandemic they can manifest in the world. You know, and it really does give you a reason to get up in the morning. You know, <laughs> to have this sense of purpose. There's a, an opportunity, I think, in giving kids the inner strength so they realize they can be devoting themselves to improving the world. It's important that they don't feel pressure to save the world, Mm -hmm. because that's overwhelming, but rather to serve the world. You know, and in the book Brainstorm, you know, I try to make that point for the, the adolescent reader of that book, saying, you know, yeah, if you say save the world, I'm giving up. But just to be of service to the world. And if once a day you can do something to make somebody smile to make someone's world a little better, you know, it's going to give you this incredible sense of well-being. You know, I don't know who said this, but it's such a great statement. You know, when you feel hopeless, just get helpful.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, and that's, I think that's what it comes down to. And listen, my daughter really has taught me this, the following message really well, because she's an environmental science graduate student. But it's a hard world, right? Because there are a lot of hard things, uh, especially the last four years are really hard. Yeah. So what she's told me and what other, I think, philosophies say too, which is it's not about being committed to a specific kind of result, but being committed to the journey toward that result. Because then, you know, if, if we don't succeed at, you know, st- you know, making the environment better or whatever. At least mm-hmm. we gonna have tried, you know. If we don't succeed at reducing social justice, at least, we'll, at least we'll have tried. You want to figure out the most effective ways to be impactful for sure, so you're not spinning your wheels. And at the same time, if you say, oh my God, if this doesn't work, it's going to be a waste of time. No. If you were committed and you found an impactful way to do something, then that's what you can commit yourself to. One One day at a time, as they say you know, just saying I am working towards being of service to the world.
0: That's beautiful. Okay. I have two more follow-up questions to that. Even though every time you say something and finish it, I'm like, I could just end right here. Cause that was just inspiring.
1: <laughs> and I have to go be of service to my 91 year old mother in a moment. Exactly. So.
0: Okay. So, um, very quickly and then just hang up on me.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, there are two sides of let's let's use teenagers as an example because it's a little bit more clear with teenagers. There are two teenagers that I'm imagining. One who is really upping their empathy right now and almost having trouble with doing anything because everything feels so painful, like yeah, the, the pain yeah. of the, the what we're doing in this world. And Honoring that empathy without, you know, while helping them turn it into a a compassion. And the other side of it, which is shutting down from all of that and saying, I just want to be on TikTok because this is all too much.
1: Right. right. Without judging
0: that kid. So there's like, those are my two final
1: parts. Well, totally. And I think the classic contemplative way people talk about that is you need the head and the heart both. Mm -hmm. so you know the wisdom of the heart if you will or the and 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 the intellectual thinking of the head if you want to just divide it that way Mm -hmm. you know those feelings that we feel can be overwhelming and if we don't have a little bit of a distance to just think about them analytically we're going to be flooded and it's going to be too much and on the other hand If we're just thinking analytically or distracting ourselves with TikTok or whatever and not feeling anything, we're missing an opportunity. You know, during a pandemic, I wouldn't worry too much about the kid who's just getting distracted. But for the kid who's getting flooded with feelings, you know, doing a meditation like the Wheel of Awareness, pure awareness, it'll give them a sanctuary where they can start having a little bit of distance from the emotion of, you know, feeling the suffering of others uh-huh. uh, and just give them a little rest from that. Because if you burn out because right. you're over-identifying mm-hmm. with the emotions of others, it's not going to do anyone any good. So this balance of head and heart, if you will, hub and rim, you know, all these ways we can feel things fully, but also have a little bit of a distance. It's true, you know, in life in general, in the pandemic in particular, and for specific occupations, like being a therapist, If you overly identify with the feelings of your clients, my God, you'll burn out in no time. So having a bit of distance is essential. It's differentiating yourself from the other and giving yourself that space to have fun, relax and laugh and also realize there's a lot of suffering in the world and you can be of service.